Welcome to Hope for Right Now, a Walking with Purpose podcast. Walking with Purpose is a Catholic women's apostolate that creates fresh and relevant Bible studies to lead women to personally know Christ through Scripture. Hi, I'm Lisa Brennickmeyer, and I'm joined by Laura Phelps. We are two friends passionate about unpacking God's Word and applying it to our everyday lives. Each week, we will step out of the discouragement the world provides by grabbing hold of the hope we find in God's Word. Never have we been more convinced of the importance of women being grounded in hope. No matter where you are in the spiritual journey, we pray you'll stick around because God has a word for your heart and His word changes everything. So open your heart, open your Bible, and invite God in. Hello, and welcome back to the Hope for Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Brennick Meyer. And I'm your other host, Laura Phelps. And what we're continuing to read in this first season are some passages from the book of John, the famous I Am statements by Jesus. So if you were with us last week, we looked at John 10 7, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And today, We're going to go deeper with that image to encounter Jesus personally as the Good Shepherd. So this is the fourth I Am statement that we're on. So if you've got your Bibles, go on, open them on up to John 10. And we're going to start with verse 11. And this is where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own life the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. As the father knows me and I know the father, I and I lay down my life for the sheep. Love that passage. Lisa, can you unpack this for us? Sure. So I just want to start by saying that um, if we can get what we think about God right, then so many things in our lives will fall into place. But if we are off in our understanding of who God is, it often will not matter how many other good decisions we make because we're going to be misguided on what matters most, and that's going to end up affecting everything. And that has to do with what we're going to be talking about today, because in John 10, 11, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. And I want to start with that word, good, and I'd like to ask you a question. In the depth of your heart, in the depth of your heart, okay, do you believe that Jesus is good? And I don't want us to just blow by that question because I'm not asking you if you believe in your head that he's good. I'm asking about your heart. And I don't think it's a crazy leap to assume that almost all of us listening, I would really just say all of us listening, have experienced some kind of hardship that has brought us to our knees in prayer, where we've cried out to God to heal us or to heal someone we love for rescue, for restoration, for relief to come. And I am guessing that you've likely, like me, experienced that God's timing is not the same as yours. And this is actually feeling pretty personal to me right now. And we have seven kids and our second youngest is a junior in high school. He's an athlete. Sports are just a huge part of his life. And he has recently received the news that he needs a pretty serious surgery on his chest because his sternum is pressing on his heart in a particularly dangerous way. And we were sitting in my car when we got that news and he just looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, why me? You know, why would God allow this? And I thought this was so, oh, I don't know, just like pierced my heart because he just looked at me and he said, 
why would he let this happen to me when I am doing the right things? I'm following the rules and I'm looking and he lists some other friends of his who are not making all the best choices. And he's like, and they get away with it. And then I end up with this. And it was such an understandable reaction. And I would think that you've probably felt that at some point. I know I have felt that at some point in my life. But this was also one of those really big moments when I knew that bitterness could sneak into his heart and really damage his faith because what was being called into question wasn't whether or not God was powerful. It was whether or not God is good. What the right thing is to say in a moment like that is something I'm really not sure about. And um, one thing I know for sure is there are a ton of wrong things that we can say, but I just told him that I really understood how unfair this feels. But then I just, I hope gently suggested to him that if we are going to ask God why for the hard things that happen to us, then we also have to ask him why about the good things. We have to look at all of it. And so I want to ask you, my friends, some questions that I ask myself. What are you focusing on? The big picture or the hardship? Are you right now focusing on the fact that not everything looks perfect Are you looking at the as of yet unanswered prayer? Are you looking at the wreckage? Is that what you're focusing on instead of looking at the fact that God has sustained you so far? Are you focusing on everything that's broken instead of looking at the ways in which God has provided for your needs? Because we've got a choice in how we look at things. We have a choice in terms of what we focus on. And God has put you and God has put me and God has put my son in this place where we have the choice of whether or not we're going to focus on all that is not right or focus on his face, focus on his character, focus on his goodness. And this makes me think of my favorite chapter of the Bible, which is Isaiah 61. I absolutely adore this passage. And in this chapter, the prophet Isaiah says that he is proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And I am holding on to that right now. I am claiming that over my own life right now. I encourage you to do the same. And in verse three, Isaiah says that God is promising to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So this is what we are promised through Jesus. Comfort, provision, a crown of beauty, the oil of joy, a garment of praise. But here is the thing. It requires our cooperation. We have to decide what we are going to focus on. And if we're going to experience these promises of Jesus, then we need to focus on his face. And by that, I mean to pursue intimacy with Jesus. And if we will do this, I will tell you what that intimacy will do. The intimacy of that relationship will take your mind and transform it. God will put a crown of beauty on your head and you will think differently as a result. But all of that depends on a decision made by you, a choice made by you to focus on what you know of God's goodness instead of your current disappointments. And I am not saying that those disappointments, and for many of us, it's it's so beyond a disappointment. It's really at the point where this is, this is an affliction. This is deep suffering. I am not saying that those things don't matter, and I'm certainly not saying that those things shouldn't be talked about. I am not saying that at all. But 
if our posture is one of continually focusing on all that is not right, then I'm just telling you right now, it will not matter what I say about Jesus, the good shepherd, because there will be something in our hearts that blocks that truth about who he is. So I am praying that as we dive into this, we can fix our eyes on Jesus's face. Laura, how does that hit you? Because I do not want to be dismissive of the seriousness of the hurt that so many of us are navigating. Oh, gosh, I hear you 100 percent. And I think that that's a really important point that you're making, that we, dear listeners, we acknowledge suffering. We acknowledge your suffering. We acknowledge our own. But what I don't hear you saying, I'm not hearing you say, well, you just need to get over it, right? Like you're not saying your suffering doesn't matter. You just need to think positive, right? We're not talking about positive affirmations, but rather you're you're inviting us to make a decision, really. I think you're inviting us to make a decision to choose what we focus on. So yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said. And might I say, this is coming from somebody who finds it quite challenging to believe that God is good when life is falling apart. I just do. And you said something right out of the gate I'd like to repeat for our listeners. You said, if we can get what we think about God right, then so many things in our lives will fall into place. That's so, so important. I think far too often our misunderstanding of who Jesus is actually leads us into deeper suffering. I'd go on a limb to say our misunderstanding of who Jesus is also leads people to leave the church. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm loving the timing of this conversation, can I just say, because I just started leading a small group, a Walking With Purpose small group. Shout out to Table One. They are the best. And right now we are doing Opening Your Heart, the Opening Your Heart study. And this week we just wrapped up lesson two. So we just began. And lesson two is, who is Jesus Christ? And so what we're doing is we're answering this question of who is Jesus Christ by looking at how Jesus described himself. And this is so key because so often we allow life circumstances to dictate and form our perception of Jesus, right? But this study, this study is teaching us how to allow God's word to tell us the truth about him. And I love that. And and you love it too. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? We're trying to gain just a better understanding of who Jesus is, trying to get in line with his will. And I think that's what you referred to as our posture. You know, if our posture is always looking at the bad then we're just going to go down that road. There's a great expression that says, you steer where you stare, right? So we want to get in line with his will, and a good spiritual posture will reveal our alignment with God. So I love all of that. Um, I would like to point out one thing, that um, if we're going to focus on God's goodness, I think we need to ask ourselves, what is good? It sounds so basic, I know, but really, do we know what good is? is. I don't know. I wonder. I just I just had a week of ministry, a lot of phone calls with a lot of women. And I'm telling you, on nearly every call, there was at least one woman who asked for prayers to break the lie that she believed, which was the lie that she was not good enough. Not good enough. And I don't know, Lisa, maybe this is a leap and totally unrelated, but it just it came to me in prayer this morning. I wonder if our struggle to see ourselves as good makes it difficult for us to recognize God is good. You know, the Bible, the Bible doesn't just say that God does good things, right? It says that God is good. Good is not only related to what he does, 
but to who he is. And I think that knowing this really is essential in those hard seasons. You and I mean, you and I, we both know how easy it is to fall into that questioning of God's goodness, right? Like your son, like that makes total sense. That is where we go to. We go to the big question of why when we're slammed with a suffering and when we're in the thick of it. And it was actually your counselor, Lisa, your counselor who said something that really helped me. You wrote about it in Fearless and Free. So thank you for the free therapy. I appreciate it. But she said, and this is a quote, our culture equates hard with bad and easy with good. But what if that's wrong? What if hard is actually good? Sometimes marriage is hard work, but isn't that when something really good is being created? What if we are looking at things from the wrong perspective? So I don't know. I don't know if any of this makes sense. What do you think, Lisa? Is there some kind of specific image, you know, in that beautiful imagery of the shepherd, something that you see that can help us to see God's goodness? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for that reminder from the all wise and knowing Sarah, my wonderful counselor. I love that. I love that reminder. But I think we get the first insight into the shepherd's goodness right away in John 10, 11, when we read that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we got a picture of this last week when we learned about Jesus, the door. Remember how a shepherd would lay across the front of the sheep pen, acting as a door, acting as a gate, willing to lay down his life to protect the sheep. And of course, as the disciples heard Jesus say this in John 10, they didn't know the way in which Jesus was going to prove to be the greatest of all shepherds when he laid down his life on the cross. But I've no doubt that this conversation, this one right here in John 10, came back to the memory of St. John. And as he was writing his gospel with all that benefit of hindsight, he was reminded that no one took Jesus's life from him. Jesus laid it down voluntarily, willingly. And we see this in verse 18. Jesus is letting the disciples know this is how it's going to be. No one takes it from me. He says, I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. And we're going to look at this more closely when we look at John eleven twenty five. 25, another I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life. But there's another way that we see a shepherd's goodness in this passage, and it has to do with the personal relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. I just love this. So we've got to know going into this that the relationship between sheep and their shepherd is very different in Palestine than it would be in a place like England. So in Britain, the sheep are largely kept for killing. You know, you eat a lot of lamb over there. But in Palestine, they're valued for their wool. And because of this, the sheep are often with the shepherd for years in Palestine, and often they have names the shepherd calls them. The journalist H.V. Morton went over to the Holy Land, and he wanted to study this relationship. And he wrote that the sheep truly did know and understand the shepherd's voice, and that they never answered to the voice of a stranger. And he noticed that the shepherd would call sharply from time to time to remind the sheep of his presence. And they knew his voice and they would keep going forward. But if a stranger called, they would stop short. They would lift up their heads in alarm. And if it was repeated, they would turn and flee because they didn't know the voice of the stranger. And he wrote that he saw this over and over again in Palestine. And this is what Jesus is talking about in John 10, 3 to 5. So a little bit earlier in this passage. Jesus said, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So the sheep belong to the shepherd, and they know this. 
They know who they belong to and who they don't. Do we? I think that's worth thinking about. And the shepherd and his flock also know each other. Pope Benedict XVI was thinking about those two things, thinking that those were the most important things to pull out of this passage when he was writing Jesus of Nazareth, the second volume of that trilogy. And in it, he wrote, knowing and belonging are interrelated. The shepherd knows the sheep because they belong to him. And they know him precisely because they are his. And then Pope Benedict made an important point about what it means to belong to the shepherd. And I just love this. He said, the shepherd does not possess the sheep as if they were a thing to be used and consumed. Rather, they belong to him in the context of their knowing each other. And this knowing is an inner acceptance. And it signifies an inner belonging that goes much deeper than the possession of things. This makes me think about one of my favorite quotes from the catechism. It's from number 356. And the catechism teaches that of all visible creatures, only man is able to know and love his creator. And this is the part I love because he is the only creature on earth that God has willed for its own sake. And what this means is that we are the only creatures that were created just for our own sake, not for what we produce or do or give. And John 10 contrasts this relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep with the thieves and the robbers and the hireling, because they want to take possession of the sheep for what they can get out of them. But the true shepherd does not see things from that perspective. In fact, what our good shepherd wants more than anything, according to Pope Benedict, is that we be in the freedom of truth. And he says that we belong to the good shepherd and that he does not use us. By contrast, what he does is he gives his life for us. Okay. Can I just say how many women listening, myself included, missed that memo? That we are not what we produce or do or give, that we're not meant to be used. That is just, thank you so much for that, for that teaching, Lisa, because that's what I base my goodness on on what I produce. Right. And I know that I'm not alone. And then, then here, what you're teaching us is like, there's nothing we can do to earn the father's love. Right. And this, I'll be honest, this is a personal struggle for me. This really is because I don't always feel good. I don't always feel good enough because I have a tendency. Actually, it's my spiritual gift, to be honest, of just remembering my past sins right? Versus remembering God's past mercy and present mercy and future mercy, right? I spend so much time on that gerbil wheel of just striving. And I'll be honest, the only thing that knocks me off that wheel is by remembering and specifically remembering Romans 5 verse 8, which says, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's huge, right? Because before I was born, Jesus had all the information on me, and he still gave his life for me. Verse 14 in Psalm 139, I know everybody knows it. It's, I praise you for I am wondrously made, right? We love to say that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I want to challenge you to go and look at verse 16, because that's the verse that brings me comfort. That verse says, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet 
there was none of them. I mean, that just blows my mind that my life, everything I've done, good and bad, it's not a surprise to God. None of this is a surprise. He didn't die for me hoping I wouldn't mess up, right? He didn't, he didn't die for me because he, he thought I was going to have it all together. He died for me because he knew I, I'm a mess. He knew I wouldn't have it all together, right? He does that for each of us. He died for each of us knowing this. And he, he knows me and he loves me and I belong to him. And yes, I'm saying this out loud for you listeners, but honestly, I'm saying it for myself because I still need convincing. I still need convincing. I mentioned, I think in last episode, that I'm working with a spiritual director who's awesome. And I've really been working on my relationship with God. And she said something to me last week that actually really surprised me because it was true and I never thought about it. And she said to me, she said, you feel safe as a mother, but you don't feel safe as a daughter. I'm going to say that again. She said, you feel safe as a mother, but you don't feel safe as a daughter. And I wonder if this resonates with any of our listeners, because the truth is, my friends, before we were mother or sister or aunt or grandmother or whatever you label yourself as your identity, before all of that, we were daughter. And daughters belong to the Father, to the Almighty King. So I think the question is, are we close enough to hear his voice or have we strayed? Are we searching for a sense of belonging outside of a relationship with him? You know, I look at our world today and what I see happening, honestly, I see a crisis of belonging. Things have gone awry because we've forgotten to whom we belong. Just look at Romans 14.8. It says, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And that's just it. We all long to belong. I remember when my son was so little and finding his people, it was just hard for him. He's, he's what you'd call a spirited child and friendships in his early years. They were just hard. And one day he said to me, he said, mom, everyone at school has a favorite person, but I'm nobody's favorite. And my word, my heart has yet to recover from that. And he's a senior in high school now. He's got lots of friends, praise God. But But that's hard, right? Like we just want to belong. And I love what you said, that knowing and belonging are interrelated. I've actually noticed, Lisa, the more that I personally know Jesus, the less I'm turning to God for what he could give me, right? The more I'm turning to him just simply for who he is. And I'm doing that even when things are bad. Because maybe what looks bad to me, maybe that's actually good. Yeah, I came across a quote in a prayer this morning, and I can't recall who said it. I'll put it in the show notes. But it said, adversity is the touchstone of the soul because it discovers the character of the virtue which it possesses. One act of thanksgiving when matters go wrong with us is worth a thousand thanks when things are agreeable to our inclinations. You know, a personal relationship with Jesus saves me when everything goes sideways because now knowing who God is and that he knows me, now I can choose where to put my focus, right? I can choose to believe the truth that God is all-knowing, that God is all-loving, and yes, that God is all good. And this, my friends, this is what makes all the difference. That is one powerful prayer, Laura. I definitely am going to write that down, but not just write it down. I want to do it. I want to do it in the moment when adversity hits to just remember 
this is a moment, this is a crazy opportunity to give thanks, that it's really a potent prayer when we can do that in those in those really hard moments. And you know, as we just come to the close of our, our time with you this week, my friends, I do just want to circle back to something Laura said earlier and just bring our mind to those earlier verses in John 10, that the sheep hear the good shepherd's voice. He calls them by name. He leads them out. They follow him. They know his voice. Um, Just a couple things that you've been saying, Laura, you know, just the lie that your girlfriends and you yourself and I myself here, not good enough, not good enough. And the lie that your value comes from what you produce, all those things, we have got to know the voice of the shepherd. We've got to grow in our ability to understand, is that God's voice or is that the voice of the enemy or is that the voice of the world or is that the voice of, I don't know, someone in my head other than God. And that's on us, right? To really spend the time to dive into his words so we recognize it and to start paying attention to our thoughts and to start rejecting the thoughts that are actually lies that are not the voice of the good shepherd, that are actually the voice of the robber. They're the voice of the thief, the one who is desiring to steal from us the abundant life that Jesus has promised to us. We have got to really take stock of who we are allowing to take up real estate in our heads and evict those who are speaking the lies, evict those voices that are not the voice of the good shepherd. And so I just want to encourage you all in that area. This is this is really what compelled me to write the Bible study, Fearless and Free. So if you want to really delve into that, because that's an area of struggle, which honestly, I think it's an area of struggle for all of us. I just want to encourage you in that direction because there's just some really practical tips given. But even today, even just now, the more we focus in on Jesus's face, pursue intimacy with him and allow him to speak to us, invite him to speak to us, the more his voice is going to be the one we recognize. And we'll hear that enemy's voice. We'll hear the voice of the thief, of the robber, and we'll go, hold on. That does not sound like the voice of my father. That does not sound like the voice of the good shepherd. And then we kick that thought, that voice to the curb. So this week, as you go out, I just hope everybody takes a little time to to reflect on these things as opposed to just going, check, I listened to the podcast, done. <laughs> you know. And the questions I've got for you are parting questions, something to chew on over the next week. Number one, with your current set of circumstances, what are you choosing to focus on? The hardship or God's goodness and God's promise of provision and God's promise of rescue? And the second question, are we close enough? Are you close enough? Am I close enough to the good shepherd to hear his voice or have we strayed? And are we searching for a sense of belonging outside of a relationship with him? Because if that's what we're doing, my friends, we are not going to find what we're looking for. It's only in him. All right. So Laura, why don't you close us in prayer? So good. I would love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, you are a good Father, and you are the Good Shepherd. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for knowing us and loving us and creating us for you. And I pray, I pray that everything we discussed today and everything we shared, I pray that everybody listening really takes the time, really takes the time to ask themselves, what is good? 
What do I believe is good about me? Is it that I've got to produce something to earn the Father's love? And that we would really honestly and openly bring these questions to you and then sit in the silence and wait and wait to hear you. There are so many voices competing for yours and they're drowning you out, Lord. And so I just pray that these conversations would lead us to action, to action, to really take these questions and sit down with them and wait for you. Lord, I ask just for the patience for us to wait to hear your voice because you will speak. You will speak if we are quiet and silent and if we wait for you, but you're going to speak to our hearts. And so I pray that we would continue to come back, to continue to each day open our Bibles, every day to open our hearts, Lord, and to truly invite you in, the Good Shepherd. You are all good and you are all knowing and you are all loving. And everything that you permit, Lord, as hard as it can feel, as hard as it can be, we trust. We Help us get to that place where we say we trust. We trust, Lord, that this is for our good because you are a good father and because you are our good shepherd. And I pray this, Lord, in your mighty and holy name, in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope for Right Now, a Walking with Purpose podcast. We would love for you to subscribe, share today's episode with a friend, and leave a rate and review. And don't forget, subscribe to our weekly newsletter. This is where you'll get sneak peeks into new content, special events, and exclusive discounts sent directly to your inbox. Finally, we know how important it is to keep the conversation going. So we've created a private Facebook group exclusive to listeners like you. You can find the newsletter and Facebook details all in our show notes. It's our privilege to unpack God's word with you, and we can't wait to do it again next week. Until then, friends, don't forget to open your heart, open your Bible, and invite God in.